Welcome to the God's Our Pop-Up Podcast, where we love to talk about some fun and debatable topics in the Bible. We hope this podcast encourages you to dive deeper in your faith and seek God first. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the second episode of the God is Our Pop-Up Podcast. We really just wanted to start off this episode by saying thank you to everybody that listened to the podcast, the first episode, and even if you didn't and just showed love, we just want to say thank you guys so much. It was super encouraging to see all the messages, all the love that y'all showed us um, across all these platforms. And we just continue to, um, we just want to get better each week. We're going to get better each week. Um, we took a lot of y'all's feedback into consideration and we want to implement that into this episode today. And so we just hope that y'all are opening up y'all's Bibles, engaging in discussion with one another and really just trying to learn as we learn as well um, and do more research on these topics together. And so I'm here with my boys, Matt and Julian today. And uh, I just want to start off by asking Matt um, how your week was. And my week was actually really good, honestly. Um, last weekend, I spent a lot of time with my fiance. It was good to just uh, get some some uninterrupted quality time uh, with her. Sam. This guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shout out to Tessa, man. Yeah, in fact, she's goaded. Um, yeah, man, I just got to spend spend a lot of time with her last weekend. It, it was really nice. And then um, on Tuesday, we had our last FCA for the semester, which was it was honestly really fun. Like, we ended up just doing a game night, uh, just kind of get some people to leave some stretch. You know, finals is coming up. We're about to have some breaks, and we just want people to come out and just uh, enjoy that. There's there's genuine fun um, uh, outside of like. Uh, you know, partying and, and things of the world. Like we can come in and just play a bunch of games in, in the name of Jesus. And so I, I honestly really enjoyed it. It was such a fun night. It was always a fun way to end the semester. And then uh, this week I started playing basketball again. So as you guys know, I hurt my back, oh. um, but I'm making, making my way back to the game. So I'm really excited about it. Um, Coach Crutchfield made some, some good accommodations for me. So I'm really excited about that. And then last night I just watched the OU OSU football game, man. I thought it was OSU's year. If we had any chance, thought it was this year, but did not, did not, not turn out uh, like I thought it would. OU won by a big margin. So, I mean, that's honestly it for me. I had a great week. Hey, that sounds like a good week, Matt. Bro, mine was probably the slowest week I've had in a long time. Um, I mean, I had like one game night this past week um, with some friends where we just went to a coffee shop, played board games, um, which I also love to do that. Um, like those are some of my like favorite like hangouts and favorite times. But um, other than that, we had a, a young life leader placement. So about like once every semester, um, every team from that uh, particular region um, will get either one or maybe multiple leaders. Um, and we kind of our region kind of does it towards like a draft. So each team um, like we have like a commissioner, um, like a young life commissioner, and then he reads out like a like a draft like which each team gets um and we kind of just take that person or people out um and just hang out with them and get to know them and uh yeah other than that like other than those two events I've kind of just been living day to day um doing homework uh staying in the word as much as I can and as much as I can remember um other than that yeah it's been pretty slow that's what's up boys that's what's up my week 
has not has not been as eventful as y'all's, unfortunately. I've been locked in my house all week with finals coming up. Man, um, I've been getting clapped, if I'm keeping it real with y'all. It's been very rough. Um, all my UTD folks know about Honor Lock and how much of a pain that is. It's been tough to, you know, navigate that. Um, really just puts a hold on me, but, you know, been studying. I've been putting in the hours, um, been studying a lot, but unfortunately still been getting clapped by those finals. Um, hopefully the curve hits. But rather than that, I also had my family's, uh, my cousin's uh, housewarming party yesterday. So that was like a good little break to get away from school. I'm just ready for Thanksgiving break. And so the party went really well. My family, just always super encouraging to be around them, especially my parents. want to give a quick shout out to my parents for, man, just always encouraging me um, to just be strong in my faith. Mom and dad, love y'all. Shout out to y'all. And um, rather than that, that's all, that's all I've really just been doing um, this week. Yeah, I can, bro. It sounds, sounds like a, a tough week, but yeah, family is always encouraging to be around. One, one thing I just want to kind of touch on before we get into our topic today is our intentions of this podcast are never to – offend anyone's beliefs or say anyone is wrong but our goal is to just express uh what we believe is truth in a, in in a, a way of conversation and so i know that us three were all very passionate about christianity and our beliefs and so i know personally me myself i can be very blunt with the truth i need to kind of find that middle ground between grace and truth um but if i ever say anything that offends anybody uh it's not my intentions at all and, and please come talk to me about it please reach out to me i um I take criticism with open arms because uh, I, I love to get better at, at anything I do. And so I just kind of wanted to share that, that we try to express our beliefs and our opinions uh, backed by scripture, of course, um, in, in a way that's not, in, not, not demeaning to anybody or offensive to anybody anyway. So that's just kind of what I wanted to touch on there. But Cam, I, what's the topic today? What are we talking about, bro? Boys, do we have a banger today? Today's topic, is Jesus the only way? Um, and I just want to start off with the verse, John 14, 6 states, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so with that being said, I just wanted to wrap up this episode because that just kind of answered the question of what the podcast episode is about. <laughs> and so we'll tune in next week. Uh, catch y'all later. Yeah, All right. See you guys. All right, fun while lasted. <laughs> no, I was playing. But man, that verse is always a banger anytime I hear it. And it really just answers the question. Um, super straightforward. And that's what I love about the Bible. You know, it's always super straightforward and blunt at times. And that's what we need to hear at times. And so we're going to go through a series of questions that are common to non-believers and people of other religions um, when discussing religion. And so Christianity um, specifically. And so, Matt, I just want to ask you this first question. If all major religion teaches the same thing, then what if all roads lead to the same place? What would you say to that? Yeah, I'm going to say that the question itself is wrong because Christianity doesn't teach the same thing as all major religions. Um, Christianity teaches us that it's by grace we have been saved through faith. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, uh, this is not of your own doing, this is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God prepared good works for us to do, but that's not how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Um, and so I think that I'm trying to trying to answer that question. Uh, not all roads can be correct because they're not all going to lead to the same place. Only one way can lead to heaven, and that's Jesus, as expressed in John 14, uh, 6 there. So 
Um, I mean, if to give you some even more scripture here, I'm going to reference Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God's, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart, for it is in your heart that you believe and are justified, is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. And so I, I think that just kind of tells us, and this is what I believe to be truth right here, is that Christianity doesn't teach us, um, as a lot of other major religions teach you, you need to work and do good works and do good deeds to get to um, your God or your Savior. Uh, but here in the Bible, it tells us that it's by grace we have been saved through faith. And, and that's not of our own doing. It's a free gift of God. That's good, man. Yeah, I just wanted to add in, um, just to emphasize really on the fact that it's not by works. But that doesn't, that shouldn't also just discredit the fact that we're supposed to neglect good works and not to focus on that because we have been saved through Christ. Very true. But Jesus calls us to do good works and all for his glory, you know. Um, whenever we do good works, God, that is what God created it for. And um, it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, the verse that you mentioned earlier, that God prepared these good works in advance for us to do. And so I do definitely think that good works is a crucial point within Christianity, and it should be emphasized and looked, up, looked on. However, that is not how we gain salvation. Um, and it is where, um, you know, that line is between uh, uh, Christianity and other religions in terms of good work. So I just wanted to add that. All right. And I can even add, add more onto that. Like uh, a good faith is going, is going to like, you're going to want to do good works. Like if you have faith in Jesus, you're going to yeah. want to do these good works. Right. Um, and even in, that's good. just to go a step further here, Acts 4.12 says salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So, I mean, and this is what I believe to be truth right here is that there's only one road leads to heaven and, and that road is Jesus. Yeah. Y'all hit it. Y'all hit the nail like right on the head. Uh, one more thing I want to add before we kind of bounce to the next question is I kind of like the way that um, we're emphasizing the, like our faith is pretty much fundamentally like sound off of the resurrection of Jesus and how y'all are putting the emphasis on Jesus because there are some religions, I guess, that um, kind of have um, or kind of believe in like reincarnation or, you know, resurrection, like kind of things like that. Um, but what one thing I really like about Christianity and why I think that uh, that's like the path to salvation in which we believe is that Christianity is the reincarnation or the transmigration of the soul um and in essence that just means that when jesus died and came back to life um, that's when the holy spirit was passed on to everybody um and that's our key um to unlock the door to salvation so um, that's good yeah I, I i really like how we just pretty much emphasize that jesus was is the main there's many roads um that may look like the right one um for salvation but the only right road um in our eyes is just through Jesus. But um, yeah, for the next question, um, I'm kind of going to ask this with Matt um, or ask this towards Matt and emphasis, but can we have anything add on? Um, what about sincere followers of other religions? Um, is it arrogant to claim there is only one way, which is the right one? Uh, candidly, I don't think it's arrogant 
to claim that Jesus is the only way um, because the most validated book in history tells me that Jesus is the only way. The Bible is um, the most validated book in all of history, the most translated book, the most sold book. I mean, you take the Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit out of the Bible, it is still the most accurate writing in history. Nothing contradicts itself in the entire Bible. Every prophecy in the Old Testament comes comes to life at some point in the Bible. Um, and so I think that's just a testament to that. Um, but, and I mean, yeah, I don't think it's that arrogant. If, if we go to scripture here, Matthew 7, 13 through 14, uh, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few will find it. So I, I think that just goes to it like, there's this this gate to get into heaven is is narrow and only a select amount of people are going to find it and so i think that we can even go back to the roads in the last question like that road is going to be very small and only a few people are going to find it but many people um even sincere followers of other religions are going to find the broad road uh, that leads to destruction um and even in church this morning man this, this was kind of cool uh my pastor here i go to a church here in, in town and um, he, we were in Galatians two today and he was mainly talking about Galatians two, uh, two twenty one. And he said, it says for if righteousness can be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So if that's basically good. if righteousness, like if, if, if salvation can be found through the law or the Torah or anything else, then what did Christ die for? Why did he need to come here and die for our sins? Like if we can be seen as righteous through that, then why else? I mean, scripture validates it's right there. Yeah, no, that, that was good, Matt. Yeah, one thing I kind of wanted to also like tack on to that is um, not even in the realm of arrogance, but more on the line of ignorance. Um, as like Christian people, like, I mean, you see on media, like, uh, I guess, really radical Christians kind of giving, um, I guess, the whole fundamental of the, or I guess the whole faith of Christianity kind of uh, um, kind of like sour taste in non-believers mouths. So I think it's more of a question of, we know that Jesus is the way to salvation um, and our job, um, like Jesus says it himself, like to love one another, um, to love each of us as he loved us. Um, and if we're not doing that, like if we're not if we're not spreading the gospel in a way that is loving and we're kind of just being arrogant about it and just telling people that may not believe um they may not believe in Jesus that he is the right way um and not i guess loving on them through that process and hearing them out and just try to um get them to understand where we're coming from then i think that's the problem of just ignorance um that's ignorance in our faith um and how we should be as I guess, disciples. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Julian, because I know all of us, we have a bunch of mutual friends, but even like within our own um, just areas of school or whatever, we have a bunch of friends that maybe used to be believers, but because they've had a bad experience with quote, quotation marks, a Christian or, you know, right. a church experience that has really put a bad taste in, in their mouth. Like you've, you've talked about. And that's just really sad, man. Um, it really just like, Really, it really does break my heart whenever people have experiences like that because God's second commandment is literally love your neighbor as yourself, you know? And so just just that, 
like misconception that I guess some Christians have is just, you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to like show love to people whenever you're maybe explaining them or, you know, the Bible even says do, uh, like teaching them with, ge with gentleness and respect, you know, you don't want, it's good to be blunt and to get your point across, but there's a difference between doing that and being like, you know, a jerk about it. And so the Bible specifically teaches us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And so it, it really is sad whenever people have experiences like that and just disregard what scripture has to say about that. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's not more of is it arrogant to claim that there's one way, which is the right way, but it's arrogant um, in the in the manner that you do it, I guess, um, just with like an arrogant attitude, I guess. So like if you see like those radical like, Christians is standing out like on on an intersection with a sign that says you're going to hell if you're, <laughs> if, if you're uh, a non-believer well like that's I don't think that's the way um that we're called to love on people and to I guess spread the gospel so yeah Cam I 100% agree I like that a lot honestly so Cam let me ask you this so you're sharing the gospel with um somebody who's of a different faith right and you're like, man, Jesus is the only way you need to do this, that, and the other, like you accept this gift and you have a hundred percent freedom in heaven. Right. And then they're like, okay, well, how can you prove any one religion is true? You have your truth and I have mine. How, like, how would you respond to that? That's good, man. I think you actually kind of hit on it a little bit in your question, whenever you talked about the validity of the Bible in uh, question two and how it's like the most uh, validated book um, out of all these ancient um, historical facts. And so like, why is it important that the Bible is reliable? Um, so if we as believers make our decision to, you know, live our lives sold out for Jesus and the Bible wasn't reliable, then we would just be betting on a lie. And, um, you know, it talks about scripture being God breathed. It is God's word. Um, and so if, if, you know, if that is a lie, if it's not reliable, then what are like, we're pretty much wasting our entire time um, in, with our religion and what Christianity is as a whole. Um, because, you know, if we are, are to follow Christ, I want to be positive that whatever's in the uh, whatever's in scripture is true. If not, like I said, you know, we're wasting our life and even our uh, eternity. And so I wanted to start off by saying that in 1952, there was a military historian named Chauncey Sanders who wrote a book titled An Introduction to Research in English Literary History. And so with this book, in this book, Chauncey establishes a test that has been widely used to decide whether an ancient historical text is reliable or not. And so there's three points within this test, three phases. The first one is the bibliographical evidence test. The second one is internal evidence. And the third one is external evidence. And so if a um, ancient historical text was to pass all three of these tests, then it, was, it would be considered as reliable. And so the first one, the bibliographical evidence test, um, that is the examination of the textual transmission by which documents reach us. So how the Bible um, came to be, how it was put together. And so we actually don't have the original copy of any ancient document. So anything that we find in our textbooks, anything that we find in history, we don't have the original copy of that. People have to manually copy it and write it down um, in order to um, just continue to pass it down until it's finally formed and put together in one as one. And so since we don't have it, the document is proved reliable by how many times it was copied and how accurate these copies were to each other. 
So obviously maybe you can find a couple of discrepancies between um, each copy, but to just show how reliable, reliable it is, uh, the more times that it's copied and um, just how close these copies are to each other um, can really show how reliable that is. And so it is more reliable if there was not a huge time gap between the, uh, when the original text was written and when the copy was written. That is also um, another factor within the bibliographical evidence test. And so, like you said, Matt, the Bible is the most validated book in history. And these copies are found to be 99.5% accurate. I think there was a, a stat that was like, there's 20,000 plus copies of the Old Testament, I believe. And the 0.5% includes words that were left out or things that were, um, that we wouldn't be able to tell like on certain numbers. And so there was these, um, these, uh, what's it called? These discrepancies, this 0.5%, they'll actually show up in your Bible. So if you're reading the Bible, there will usually be like a asterisk or something like at the bottom that says, uh, it's hard to tell from the original manuscripts. So that 0.5% is literally stated, um, in your Bible. That's so crazy, bro. It's crazy. It's crazy. It really is crazy to think about that 99.5% of these copies are accurate and there's more than 20,000 copies. And another, another crazy thing just to, since we're on that first step, is that, you know, many people don't really question the reliability of some of the other historical facts that maybe we've read in school in our philosophy textbooks or whatever. And so I just want to bring an example of Aristotle. So there's a difference of 1,200 years from when Aristotle spoke to when his writings were actually on paper. 1,200 years, which is a long time many things can change within that time period. And the Bible was actually 30 to 80 years from whenever it was written to, um, from whenever it was spoken to whenever it was written actually on paper, which kind of just kind of puts it into perspective as to why we really don't question the reliability of some of the um, other facts that we are looking at in our, in school, in our, in our textbooks. And that just kind of just like, really just like made my mind just like, I don't know, explode really. I was just like, wow. That is kind of crazy. That's yeah, kind of nuts that we like take that stuff as fact, you know, but some people don't take the Bible as fact. Yeah. There's always, always questioning whenever it comes to religious texts, but man, the Bible just continues to prove that it is the most reliable book um, of all time. So the second step of this um, test is the internal evidence test. And so the Bible is God's word delivered, delivered to us through his chosen people. So how do we know this? Like, you know, like the Bible is one complete story and it doesn't contradict itself ever. Matt talked about prophecies in the Old Testament and how those prophecies were answered in the New Testament. And like, what are the chances of that happening? You know, crazy from like thousands of years to um, whenever they were prophesied to whenever they were fulfilled, which is crazy. And so the Bible is one complete coherent story. It is completely unified. And like I said earlier, this is God-breathed scripture that has come out of, from a variety of cultural backgrounds. Um, you know, the documents within the Bible, the chapters were just penned by such a diverse group of authors from shepherds to fishermen, to kings, to doctors, to prophets, just a whole different group of people. And this is just so unique in the world of religious literature today. Um, you know, like for example, the Quran was written by one man. The, the Bhagavad Gita was written by 
uh, by mostly one man. And I'm, I know my Brown audience is probably going to butcher me for pronouncing that terribly, but I'm sorry, guys. Um, the book of the book of Mormon was written by one man. So like all these historical texts, these religious historical texts, you know, are written by mostly one person or one person straight up. And so it's just so interesting to see how the Bible has this many authors, yet is still so clear and coherent from Old Testament to New Testament from beginning to start. Um, it's, the Bible is characterized by such an astounding harmony, as you can put it, uh, consistent flow that uh, defies any naturalistic explanation. Um, and I don't know about y'all, but if you ask me, there has to be a unifying source behind this composition. If there's been that many people with different backgrounds, with different occupations in, in different areas of the of, of the world writing this, there has to be a unifying source behind this composition. And the Bible points to one main theme from beginning to start. It starts off with the creation, the fall of man, redemption, and restoration. It's the overarching theme of the Bible, and it all ultimately points to Jesus and the need that all human beings have for Jesus. The Bible is amazing. It's in unity. The evidence for the Bible is overwhelming. Um, and other religious books barely use prophecy at all. But nearly 25% of the Bible, one-fourth of the Bible, was prophetic, prophetic whenever it was written. There's never been a prophecy of the Bible that has been proven to be inaccurate. Evidence points to this. If y'all want to do research, feel free. If y'all ever want to engage in discussion with any of us, reach out to us because we definitely like to talk to y'all about this. But nearly all the prophecy of the Bible can be tested at this point. The only prophecy left to be fulfilled is related to the end of times, and that's found in uh, the last book of the Bible, which is Revelation, whenever Jesus is going to come back down to earth. And the last step of this um, evidence test is the external evidence. We now know that the transcript of the Bible is true and that the internal sources that wrote the Bible are reliable, but are there any outside sources that can attest to the Bible and the validity of its writings? And guys, there's just evidence on top of evidence whenever um, I was doing um, research on it. And all this information that I've gotten is from my guy, Aaron Marks. Shout out to Aaron. Um, we'll give you like a MLA citation, easy bib, something like in the description of the podcast or something. I don't know, man. Uh, but, but man, uh, Aaron preached this sermon um, at Kaleo, which was one of this, uh, this five-week discipleship program that I attended in Florida over the summer. I had the privilege of listening to this man just spit straight heat and I've always had questions about the validity of the Bible myself. It's always been like just one of those questions that's like, man, like, is this like, how do I trust this? And I didn't know that there was this much evidence for it. But um, so all this information that I'm getting is from his sermon. And um, just thank you again, Aaron, for um, allowing us to use this and, you know, to just um, inform the people of really how much evidence there is, because it's really mind blowing. And so there's archaeological evidence. There's other writers in history that have stated the validity of the Bible and can attest to um, some of the current events that were happening, some of the miracles. Jesus performed miracles in front of thousands of people. Um, so there are some people that have just been able to, um, you know, talk to him about, uh, just pass that information down and have really been able to attest to that. Um, and, you know, science is always changing. The world is always changing. There's always new things that are being put into society. Um, our world is always changing, guys. Um, we discover new things and we have to go back and adjust constantly um, within the world. But the one thing that's never changing, the one thing that is constant is the Bible. Um, it's God's word. 
is the same today as it was whenever it was written. And just to conclude, I just want to say that God's word is inerrant. Uh, it is without error, and that will be true. That will be true now and forever. So, I know that was a lot. I was on my little soapbox right there, but that's just a lot of evidence that I have for y'all. Um, if y'all want to talk about it, I would love to show y'all more information, more evidence. But that's how I would answer the question, Matt, of how we can prove any one religion is true. Um, whenever people say you have your truth and I have mine. Hang on, just got me fired up, Cam. Yes, sir. Okay, Julian, now let me ask you this. So, you know, Cam, we're, we've been talking about the validity of the Bible and all this stuff, but now, like, what, what about these people who don't have access to the Bible? So what about those we're in some random tribe excluded from society in the rainforest? It's, it's, it's not fair to condemn them, is it? Well, great question. Um, first thing I'd like to say, like, regarding that is, that the unfair thing is us getting into heaven. So that's, that's like step Ooh, one right there. Fire. Um, like Eesh. we, Jesus didn't have to, but he did um, like come down and he rose from the grave and took on our sin for us um, and gave us that um, path towards salvation. So um, first off, I just want to say that, yeah, that's not, not even fair uh, than in itself, but Pretty much um, to kind of tackle that topic on people who can't even um, have access to hearing Jesus or hearing the gospel because there are, you know, there has to be humans out there like live in the middle of um, absolute nowhere. Um, Don't even have like electricity, like places like that. Um, What I would say regarding that is that whether or not those people hear Jesus, God will reveal himself to those people in some shape or some form. Um, so um, there's probably like a deeper science to it, obviously, but I would say like, you know, God can reveal um, his presence through nature, through um, these people's environment, through dreams, through um, what year of harvest will look like you know if they're i guess like farmers or something that's just um an obscure example but um pretty much what i want to back up is with romans 120 um that says for since the creation of the world god's invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse so that's kind of like my, uh, I guess, scriptural evidence on, um, I guess, what the Bible says about um, how, I guess, us as believers, we shouldn't have an excuse um, when it comes to, I guess, knowing God and knowing um, his essence. And I also just want to hit on one more time um, on Romans 2.15. It says the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. And that's Paul, um, I guess, writing to the the Gentiles and the Romans. Um, So that's pretty much my answer for that. Um, One thing I did see online um, is the basis of acceptance would be the work of Jesus Christ, which is what we've been talking about the whole time. Um, But even though 
um, the person involved is not conscious um, that this is how provision has been made for his salvation. Um, their salvation has always been appropriated by God and the work that Jesus did. Um, so if they weren't lucky enough, I guess, to hear um, Jesus and um, I guess to know the works and the amazing things Jesus has done for us um, and granting us that salvation, um, Jesus is still God at the end of the day. Um, and God will, like I said, reveal himself um, in some shape or form. Yeah, Julian, that's that's really good, man. That's a that's a great answer. Um, I just wanted to add that, you know, like we said, I said we talked about this briefly in the last episode, but you know, some things are meant to be unanswered. Some things are meant to be revealed to us whenever we get to heaven. And I think that while it's good for us to be curious about that topic of people who have never heard about Jesus, I think the main point that we should get across is that. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. And we just need to trust in him. He has a plan for each one of us. And he has a plan for the people that have never heard about Jesus. And like Julian was saying, God will reveal to will reveal himself to people through different ways. And, you know, that's, that's not up to us. But we should just be able to um, just trust in God and who he is. And for those people that who have never heard about Jesus, that should fire a conviction within ourselves to go overseas, to go, you know, in our local, at our schools, to go um, at our churches, wherever, to the public, people, people need to hear Jesus, you know, and that God calls us to do that in the Great Commission. And so we should, we should feel convicted about people that have never heard about Jesus. And we should gain that conviction within our hearts to go overseas and to go to all these places, local or glo- locally or globally. That's our mission at the end of the day as a, as a disciple of Jesus. And so I just wanted to reiterate that fact. But hopping into the last question, question five. A loving God wouldn't send so many people to hell, would he? That's another common question that, um, you know, non-believers and people of other religion like to ask. And so I wanted to ask that question to Matt of why would a loving God send so many people to hell? Like what would, what is the point behind that? And my, this is my personal opinion right here, but I don't think that God sends us to hell. I think we send ourselves to hell and by our actions and uh, by what we do here on this earth not and and god is just in in his judgment and so or jesus because all judgment is given to jesus but jesus is just in his judgment that's that's just candidly how i'd answer the question yeah that's that's good matt and yeah if y'all if y'all have a different opinion we'd love to hear that um we know this is that was matt's personal opinion maybe you you might have a different opinion on on that and so we'd love to hear about that but just another great thing that i was just reading was that our disobedience demands justice. And, you know, people, if people say like, you know, a loving God wouldn't send so many people to hell, I I would prompt them with the question of where do you get the idea that God is loving from? Like, where, where does that stem from? How do you know that God is loving in the first place? And if it's from the Bible, you can't pick and choose what you want to comprehend from the Bible, what you want to hear from the Bible. Oh yeah. Selective obedience, baby. Ain't none of that around here. Exactly. Exactly. Because God is loving. You're right. God is loving. But God is also just. And as Julian mentioned in the previous question of, of what's unfair, what's unfair is us getting into heaven. And so God is just and he knows what he's doing. He knows he knows what he, he's in control. Um, and it is just that we receive this punishment of going to hell. It's, it sounds brutal and like blunt, but that's that's the hard truth that 
um, many people need to hear because God is just and we do deserve that punishment. That's true. Is there anything else that we need to add or you guys ready to wrap it up for today? Man, I think, uh, I think we hit all, all these points, all the, po- all the points that we were trying to uh, really emphasize. Uh, Julian, did you have anything? Yeah, no, I thought that was all um, really good. And I, I really liked what, um, what kind of ended off with Cam saying, like, in the Bible, we can't pick and choose different parts of the Bible to satisfy us or to make us happy because that's not what our faith is about or god's purpose is to make us holy not happy so i kind of bring the heat I, julian i like the I, I like everything you had to say pretty much um about the, i guess the end that's good well i think that'll that'll do it for us today guys i mean these questions we just wanted to you know, I think I grew during this conversation. You know, I feel I feel more equipped to answer these questions for people coming to ask me these, and and that that's that's what we want you guys as listeners to be doing. We want to equip you guys to be ready for these conversations. And yeah, these questions are good at equipping, but you know, what else is good at equipping the Word of God. And you can't tell me God's silent when your Bible's closed. So the thing we need to do is we need to get into the Word of God Eesh. to be able to be be equipped to answer these things. So. Man, but thanks for tuning in, guys. I appreciate all the support once again. We're so grateful. We love you guys, and we'll see you guys soon.